Hello and welcome to another episode of African Jopadi. My name is Ife and I'm recording from Creil in Scotland. And hi, I am Dihia Belhabib um, and I am the co-host of African Jopadi and I'm recording from Vancouver in British Columbia. Today, we're going to be talking about youth agency resilience and transilience and we have an amazing person to discuss the subject with us today yes i'm really happy to introduce femi balogun who is a researcher and evaluation consultant and policy analyst he's current, he currently leads research evaluation and learning efforts at jobberman nigeria supporting job creation initiatives and evidence generation around soft skill development for youth and the future of work. His previous work supported research and advocacy in the areas of youth leadership and development, social innovation, social protection, youth employment and employability, new forms of social and political action, as well as urban governance. Femi holds a master's degree in security, leadership, and society from the prestigious King's College London, a master's degree in public and international affairs from the University of Lagos, and a bachelor's in international relations from Covent University. He is a fellow at the African Leadership Center in Nairobi and the UK, a fellow at the International Peace Institute in New York, and a member of the Nigerian Institute of International Affairs. This is quite an impressive resume. I'm Day. Welcome, Femi, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So before we actually get you to start um, talking more about youth agency, resilience, and transilience, I want to talk briefly about youth and some of the points or arguments around it. According to the 2019 Ibrahim Forum report, Africa's first challenge is that the continent's youth bulge is stuck in what they called weighthood. And then it goes on to say that almost 60% of Africa's population is under the age of 25, making it the world's youngest continent. And this could be a good thing. However, some of, I guess you could sort of talk about it in the positive light because the African the African Union African Youth Charter claims that Africa's youth is its biggest resource. And the work you co-authored on From Resilience to Transilience, Interrogating Ideas on Youth Agency and Social Innovation in Nigeria, seems to re-echo that or the point made by the AU Youth Charter. So can you tell us more about this and why? Okay, thank you very much um, for this opportunity to be a part of this conversation. Um, now, so I, I, want to, I want to, you know, intentionally speak, um, you know, about young people on the continent in, in very positive light. And the, this intention, uh, you know, is birthed from my interaction with young people across across the continent. I've done work in in Nigeria, in Kenya, in Ghana, Malawi, Ethiopia, you know, Tanzania. And interaction with young people, um, you know, gives me a different understanding um, about you know the youth narrative. Um, 
So when the AU talks about you know young people being in 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 a in a place of waithood or you know or in a trap, right? Um, there's some truth to that, but that's not the entire truth, right? So let's begin from uh, you know what is youth and then what is youth bulge and then what is youth agency, right? So you know. The definition of youth, you know, is defined um, differently by different organizations, and for you know, for several reasons. The UN, for instance, we define youth as uh, young people from between the ages of 15 to 24. Um, the the AU tries to expand that because of of the because our context is different, you know, and so we sometimes use the age of 15 to 30. Or sometimes 15 to 35 in Nigeria, it's now uh, this it's now defined between the new youth policy defines it from between 18 to 29, right? But however, you know, uh, we want to define it. You know, it's it spans the ages between 15 to 35, but again, it depends on on the context. So that's what we mean by youth. And then, what do we mean mean by a youth bulge? The youth the youth both, um, you know, talks to or speaks to the uh, the, the fact uh, or a phenomenon where you have more young people within the demography, especially when they now begin to go above, you know, twenty percent to thirty percent above um, uh, uh, the entire population. So Africa, for instance, has you know an estimated population of about one point two billion people. And then about 800, 800 million of them are, are within the youth age bracket. In Nigeria, which is the most populous uh, uh, black nation, you know, has over 100 million people you know, below the age of 35 um, and having a, a population of about you know, 200 million people. So it suggests that you know, more than half of the population is, is within the youth age. Age bracket. So that's what we mean by a youth bulge. So how did we get to the point of a youth bulge? Um, after the structural adjustment, you know, program, which was an initiative by the World Bank to help African countries, you know, come out of um, economic depression in the in the 80s and in the 90s, um, that you know um, suggested that African countries or the state to you know remove its hands from um, providing basic services and allow, and allow you know, um, the private sector handle some of those things. Unfortunately, our economies were not, very, were not ready for, for, for that policy, and it, it affected you know, the provision of basic services, particularly in the health sector, right? where we're now having high rates of maternal mortality and, you know, uh, and child deaths. But, Moving into the late 90s and in the early uh, 2000s, we're starting to see a different trend in all of these figures changing. And that's because there were lots of interventions trying to um, um, you know, solve the problem of childhood diseases like polio, uh, chicken pox, measles, many of those diseases that were killing um, um, young people. And so the, 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 the indicators now improved and so we started having higher fertility rates 
and then young people were living longer. They were moving from sec primary school to secondary school, and, and those kinds of things were happening, right? So because young people were now beginning to live longer, you know, the, there was now a boom in the population. And so that's what we mean by a youth force, right? And so there's a debate around this youth force. And say so this is the era of Africa. You have a youth population and you can leverage this. You know, the World Bank even suggests that this can contribute about $500 million on a yearly basis if we can effectively harness this. And I, and I, and I you know, I want to agree with, with that. Now, so coming to the question of, of, of resilience, right? I, I think that the, the way, the approach, the approach towards, you know, um, changing the, 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 the fate of young people on the continent is where we have a challenge, right? Now, the, the challenge here is how do we understand the issues that young people face? Mm -hmm. um, who is defining the problem? And who is defining the solution? To what extent do these solutions or do these you know, initiatives or agenda, to what extent does it capture the realities of young people? To what extent does it articulate the hopes and aspirations of young people on the continent? And that is where you know, the challenge is. So there is good intention out there, but actually, we might, we might actually have a slight challenge with the approach. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what you know, brings me into the conversation around resilience. So um, the, the approach to youth development, you know, broadly at an international level, um, has been framed around the notion of building resilience or you know, strengthening resilience. And this, the foundation of this um, is around how you know, the problem on the continent has been defined. And that's the notion of fragility. Now, so fragility suggests that there is no local resilience on the continent. Now, let me, let me step back a bit and, you know, uh, I have a framework for defi defining some of the challenges that young people go through. Mm -hmm. I think, so when, when we say that, you know, young people are in a period of waithood or on the trap of their lives, you know, um, we must be careful not to define young people as the problem, but the system is the problem because it's a system that has not allowed for young people to transition effectively into, you know, uh, a successful future. So young people on the continent are not able to, you know, advance their education, right? So we are seeing, you know, we are seeing progress in terms of young people being able to move from primary to secondary, um, but they still drop out with, especially if you now start looking at it from a gender lens. And, you know, very few people are able to even transition from secondary education into the university. Across the continent, for instance, only one in four, only one in four is able to move from secondary education into higher education, for instance. Right? And that's why you know, we now start calculating um, unemployment from the age of 15, because that's the average age where young people, you know, usually finish 
uh, secondary school and then move into higher education. But because they cannot move into higher forms of learning, they are forced into a labor market that they are hardly prepared for. And that brings me to the second issue that young people face is in terms of, you know, having jobs or even starting their own businesses. Right. So yeah, I, I, want, yes. I wanted to ask actually a question with regards to that starting their own business, because from um, from my perspective, the African continent actually as a whole, Nigeria in particular, and some of other countries of West Africa are known for entrepreneurship. Hmm. Um, and yet there is difficulty in, in starting a business. But how how do you define that entrepreneurship side? Like, is it something that is actually captured? by the official statistics of unemployment. Um, don't you think that employment might be a little bit exaggerated by the fact that self-entrepreneurship, um, or if you, will, if you will, the parallel economy of entrepreneurship is not necessarily captured in, the, in those statistics? Absolutely, and that's the point I, I tried to make in, in my write-up. We have been blinded by you know, what is going on in the entrepreneurship space on the continent, right? Because we, 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 are, we are coming in with a, a neoliberal lens that you know, you know, allows us to really see things within the brand binaries. And so we are not capturing you know, those people who are existing in the informal sector. So young people have their own businesses. In fact, I, the, the, I'm, I'm doing some analysis now trying to understand the creative sector. The creative sector on the continent is very huge because it consists of those in the fashions, uh, fashion subsector, uh, entertainment, hospitality, you know, and uh, an array of many other trades, right? But many of these businesses or many of these entrepreneurs are operating just under the radar of the state. And that already suggests that there's resilience going on. And that's, where the, and that's where the challenge is. So because we have framed it around fragility, we have framed it um, around the neoliberal lens of binaries, we are blinded to see what's going on beneath the state. So the state itself is not able to capture what is going on. The, 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 the informal sector in Africa is huge. It's so huge and... Mm -hmm. We are not capturing it in our, you know, in our macroeconomic success. We don't capture it. And so for me, I try to look at the area of social innovation, right? So we have a number of social entrepreneurs who are trying to solve the same problems that limit them from transitioning. So young people are not able to, you know, advance their education. They are young people who are trying to rise above these structural conditions and try to solve the problem of education. Young people cannot get jobs or cannot start their own businesses. Young people are trying to put together ideas and, and you know, innovation to allow young people you know, set up and start their own businesses and using technology to reach um, a, wider, a wider market. They're using local technology to even solve local problems. Let me give an example. There's this guy who is from um, um, the, the, the village, the rural area in, in Imo State, right? And then he... That's he sees in Nigeria. In Nigeria, yes. Thank you. So in Nigeria, Imo State is the eastern part of, of Nigeria. And he sees how his mother struggles 
day in, day out, trying to um, sell tomatoes. And so one day, um, they were growing tomatoes, and all of these tomatoes, you know, were, um, it was infested by, by pests, and so they lost all, almost all of their harvest. Now, he started thinking within, within himself, and this guy, you know, does not have university education. He's just a secondary school. Uh, was just a secondary school, right? He didn't have the opportunity of going into the university. But he started studying this situation and was like, if we knew that there was going to be uh, an infestation of insects on our crops, maybe we would have been able to do something before it happened. And so he was thinking in this way, and then he started reading, just like the boy who harnessed me, he was able to harness information, you know, weather information to know when pests are going to come, when pests are not going to come, and then how do you now begin to, um, you know, how do you now begin to mitigate these issues? And so he was able to use the radio. He was able to use the radio to educate his mother and all of our colleagues who, who were doing, um, um, who were doing, who were in the agricultural sector, helping them to, you know, uh, come up with pesticides and also how to um, respond when pests, you know, attack their crops. That was the first stage of his innovation. The next stage of his innovation was managing the issue of, you know, post-harvest uh, losses. And so he started, uh, he, he developed a, a cold room using, um, using batteries. And so what he does is for as little as less than a dollar per kilo, he helps market, uh, he helps uh, farmers store their produce before it is picked up into the markets. And then he used that same technology to help market women now store their produce so that it can last a bit longer, right? Mm. That in itself is innovation. And that is a business that the state is not capturing. But this guy is now a multi-billion business that is not within the radar of the state. That's local resilience. And that is being captured within the state. So coming back to how, you know, resilience is being, I, I didn't finish, um, you know, the, the, the areas where, you know, the issues that young people face. I mentioned two things. They are not able to advance their education. They are not able to get jobs or start their own businesses. And thirdly, there's the issue of, you know, healthcare. They don't have access to health. Um, four, young people don't have the opportunity to climb the social ladder, right? And then five, they are not able to engage as active citizens. They are not able to engage, engage as active citizens because there are structural barriers that limit them from, being, from representing their age group within government. Across Africa, um, we have presidents who have been ruling for more than 30 years, or more than, you know, how many years? And we hardly have a, a president on the continent who is within the age of 30 or 40, right? Mm -hmm. Now, so the opportunities are not there for, for young people. But that does not necessarily mean so. If you, you, if you look at the World Development Report of 2007, it, you know, highlights these five key areas and, you know, talks about um, and explains why, you know, young people are within the wait period and, um, or in a trap and cannot transition effectively. 
but if you look with if you look underneath the state young people are already doing things they are already create doing using innovative ways to engage the system they are volunteering they are giving their time as interns and they are doing things you know to rise above so they are trying to rise above the structural conditions that limit them so that and that's what young people are doing and so i i, I have a couple of questions you know when i look at this because it's something i'm still you know trying to understand and explore how can we better understand and engage with youth realities and how they are engaging their agency and this is a question that is missing within the literature how can we find okay. yeah how can we how can we find out how can we find this out and who gets to produce this knowledge many people who write about young people in africa for instance uh, can uh, find it hard to resist the temptation um, to describe young people in negative terms. And that's because, you know, um, you know, we can accept the fact that young people, you know, engage their agency in negative ways that affect, affect uh, youth reputation. So we have young people, and we acknowledge it, we have young people, you know, at the forefront of terrorist groups, we have young people at uh, forefront of cybercrime, you know, drug abuse, prostitution, and what have you, right? But what is the percentage of young people within all of this, you know, doing all of these things compared to the young people who are, you know, the young people who are, are doing great stuff? Within the literature, within the literature, there is a tendency to frame young people or construct young people as passive actors in debates on social and economic and political issues. And then when we even look at what they are doing, we interpret all of this as, as resilience. And then when we now want to offer solutions to the challenges, we frame them as an homogeneous group. Right? And this is the challenge with the knowledge that you produce about young people. The third question is how can this knowledge be transmitted? Who is transmitting the knowledge? Right? And then how can we reimagine, how can we reimagine and find ways to implement initiatives that are transformational and bring real change in such a way that it does not ex exclude certain kinds of people? And that brings me to the real question of, you know, how we are approaching initiatives to, to solve uh, the, the, youth, the issues around the youth bulge. Should we be building, talking about building resilience, or should we be talking about enabling transilience? Do you have any questions here before I go into the, 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 the debate on transilience? So actually, I don't have a question, but I wanted to highlight something. And, and I, I guess when you go on to talk about resilience and then transilience, you might want to sort of explain briefly what the two of them means for, for our audience. But the point I wanted to make is in relation to sort of supporting some of the, the, the points you've highlighted that the African youths are doing well and maybe it's not quite captured in the formal aspect of things, but that they are thinking of creative ways of, of sort of filling that gap 
that is there due to unemployment. And so today, this morning, I was reading something about cryptocurrency and I found that Nigerian youth is leading the rest of the world with around 210% growth of um, cryptocurrency adoption, far ahead of mm-hmm. Australia, which has about 158%. And I guess this mm-hmm. is, again, a, a way that they are trying to build resilience, but is not necessarily captured because these are things that they're able to do with access to the internet. And then we also have figures about, again, Nigerian entrepreneurs, especially women, are leading mm. in terms of the highest figures of entrepreneur. And then you have Ghana, you have mm. Malawi, you have Uganda, you have Angola. So things are happening. But whether yes. this thing that is happening is being captured properly, one, is mm. a challenge. And then two, given that we live, I mean, unfortunately, we have this pandemic, these people are also likely to be affected so much because they work for themselves. And there's no way of sort of the government way you know gauging how much they are affected because they are never really identified as part of uh, making active contribution in terms of employment records if that makes sense and so i just wanted to sort of throw that figure to support the point you're trying to make but at the same time before you you go further i'd like you to sort of touch on on sort of briefly what you mean by resilience and transilience so that our audience can also sort of understand that. Great. So um, resilience is a contested, is a, just like fragility, it's a contested, uh, uh, it's a contested concept, right? And the idea, you know, originally was used in, in ecological systems in the 70s, um, and it's recently now been, you know, applied to disaster and risk management planning um, and international development, right? So it's not clearly defined, you know, in the ways it's been used in contemporary times. And, and it's applied inconsistently and, you know, ambiguously with, with its meaning, you know, left implicit, right? But ten, definitions tend to... to um, you know, uh, define it, you know, as one's ability to re- to to respond, to to rebound or withstand shocks, recover from uh, uh, from stress or from disaster. That's how resilience is being is being defined, mm-hmm. right? And so when you bring when you bring resilience into how you know, youth and youth agencies being defined. I think the first point to make is that young people are not universally manipulated or passive actors. They are not passive actors in the world, you know, designed by others, but they're looking for ways to chart their own course. So if youth agency already, you know, suggests, you know, some form of resilience, what does resilience therefore mean when it is now being deployed as you know, an intervention? Because the context in which young people already live sets them on a daily basis and conditions them to demonstrate their resilience on a daily basis. 
So what does resilience mean in a context that already conditions you to be resilient, right? You're waking up in the morning as a, as, as a young African. You don't have water, for instance, to take a shower or do your laundry. As a young person, you are walking to the stream or you are going to a neighbor or looking for a water, exercising, you know, agency on a daily basis to get water. In, 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 in Nigeria, for instance, we don't have, uh, you know, constant uh, power supply, right? For whatever reason, you know, I have theories about that, but that can be a conversation for later. But we have, you know, young people have different ways of, you know, getting electricity. Now young people are at the forefront of, you know, uh, building generators, especially those from the eastern part of the country, they're already, you know, manufacturing generators as a way. So the, the fact that we have generators is already a, a proof of resilience because if the state cannot provide electricity, we can locally produce something that can provide electricity for, for ourselves. So what does resilience really mean? So that's what, you know, um, um, resilience means. Now, but when we come to the question of transilience, and for me, I came across the concept you know, uh, because I thought that, you know, define, using, you know, defining the, the great things that young people are doing as resilient is, I think is derogatory and, you know, doesn't tell the true picture, right? And so I came up with, and I started questioning resilience, you know, because resilience is now being substituted for sustainability, for instance, right? So if we are using generators, you know, which is a form of resilience, what does that mean for our ecosystem? Because everywhere there's noise pollution and there's uh, air pollution, right? It's not sustainable. But now building resilience or, or strengthening resilience, which has become the anchor upon which we are now framing youth development, has replaced sustainability. And so the question is, is there anything really sustainable about, you know, the building resilience idea? And so I was thinking, you know, can we combine transformation and resilience how can we make resilience transformative right and so in my thinking i you know i bumped on the concept of transilience and so it, transilience i i you know recently uh, uh, discovered is an evolving concept within the resilience discourse as well and just like res uh, resilience it was being applied from uh, from geological studies to define uh, the shifting states in, in physical form. So in layman language, it means, you know, leaping or leaping, moving from one point to the other, or, you know, abruptly moving from one state into another state, right? But so from, from my understanding, um, from my understanding, basically we have in general like throughout this discussion we have i i understood something like this is just for the audience the first thing is that there is a lot of unemployment on the continent I'm going to speak about the continent there is a lot of unemployment statistically speaking on the continent however there is also something that we don't necessarily care and there are um declining i would say a reduced means of success 
uh, logistics of success, as you mentioned. So despite that, we see a lot of entrepreneurship in the parallel economy or, um, or the informal economy, like as some people call it. I really like the idea of the parallel economy as, as, as opposed to the informal economy because it still contributes to the economy. Mm-hmm. There is still that. There is still a lot of entrepreneurship and there is still a lot of agency that is built maybe because uh, and resilience because of this lack of, of logistics and lack of means and lack of, um, not capacity, but lack of, of, you know, as you mentioned, lack of water and things like that. So I think we, the three of us, and I'm speaking for myself, but, but you might join me in this. The three of us have grown experiencing this. For example, the lack of water, having to develop agency to go find water, to walk and try to find it, something like that. Um, but just to summarize to our audience, basically, this is, I feel that this is really on the positive side um, that basically um, we're at a stage in Africa where despite the lack of logistics, despite the fact that it's hard, we still have, we're a young continent. Well, we're a young continent in terms of our youth. Yeah. We're also a resilient continent, you know, like we, I think we are at this stage. This is basically to wrap up this. And um, is there something that on the positive side that you could say um, to, to wrap up this episode, basically with regards to the youth and, and our resilience on the continent? Okay, so, I mean, First of all, we must acknowledge that resilience exists. Um, because I think that the current way in which we are, we are viewing or understand youth uh, um, is, is, is problematic. And all of these ideas and thoughts, you know, does not acknowledge that there's resilience. So we might want to take a step back and first of all, acknowledge that resilience exists. Yes. And then the question therefore is, how do we, how do we now support this to become transformative yes and i think that an excellent question um to address to our audience of this at this point i'm just a little bit aware of time i think that this question can be a whole other topic as well how can we support the more yeah 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 go ahead ife no, so I was going to say, no, I was going to clarify something because I think in the beginning when, when Femi said something, when I, I talked about weighthood and in his response, he sort of said it was, um, he quoted the African Union. I wanted to correct that is actually Ibrahim report, not the African Union. The African Union you ch- charter also think the same way as you. They believe that the African youth are the opportunity but the Ibrahim report says that the African continent, the youth board have, have resulted in what they described as witchhood. So I wanted to clarify that. But thank okay, you yeah, so thanks. much for really an amazing um, insight into youth and the opportunity that, that is in the continent. I mean, the youth board is not a, a cost. It is a blessing because so many amazing things are happening. And, and I, I, I hope that... Um, the here feels the same way. We're actually looking forward to having you again to have um, continue this conversation, really. Thank you. I think thank you so much for making the time to be in with us in these hard, difficult times, and I hope that you're keeping safe. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Thank you. I, I'm really excited about this. 
And thank you as usual to our dear beloved audience for, um, for bearing with us as we always experience some technical issues in this podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, don't hesitate to share on Twitter as usual. Um, and I really look forward for this whole crisis to be over so that we can do an episode of wrapping up what happened during this crisis, basically. Haife. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a, a great week, day, weekend ahead. Bye. 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 Bye.